Amen, amen. Good morning. Good to see you today. We are so glad that you're here this morning, and we're excited for what God wants to do. Um, if we haven't met, my name is Kyle, and I'm one of the pastors here today. I like him to play music while I'm talking like that. <laughs> but uh, if we haven't met, my name is Kyle. I'm one of the pastors here. We're excited for today. We already, already sense God's presence is here today. Amen. He's so good. Hey, we're in a series. We've been in a series called Vision and Mission. And we've been talking for some time now and promoting today because you're going to get to hear a little bit later in the message from Mark and Mark Kimry. And we're going to be sharing a little bit about a ministry that God is calling our church to. It's been in the works for several years and God has just put it all together. So we're going to be sharing that with you. But we've been in a series called Vision and Mission. We're wrapping it up today. And when you Google the word vision and mission, you get a bunch of different definitions. But for this series, vision really is what we're doing and mission is how we're doing it. And as we think about that today, especially at church, um, churches should not be coming up with vision and mission out of their own head. Vision and mission needs to come from God's word. And so our vision and mission really goes along with the great commandments and the great commission. We've been saying this every week. The great commandments uh, is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. In fact, Jesus says that all the law and the prophets, everything hangs on those two commandments. And as we do that, then we're called to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And surely I will be with you always to the very end of the age. That is the Great Commission, the two greats, the Great Commandment and the Great Commission. And that's what prompted our vision. Uh, and you see it on the walls of our church. We have it on the screen. Let's read it together. Connecting ordinary people with an extraordinary God. That's what we're called to do. When we're at home, when we're at the grocery store, when we're at work, when we're at school, wherever we are, um, we're called to make a difference and to connect people um, to the Lord. And really, we do that at our church in three ways. Our mission is threefold. We, two weeks ago, we talked about the power of gathering together as a family of God to worship Him and to fellowship with each other. There's something powerful that happens when the church family gathers together. And then we talked last week about that God wants us to mature. Um, all, some of us have children or grandchildren, and we know people that do. We love, you know, sometimes as parents, we want our kids to be a certain age forever. But really, not really, right? We want them to grow. We want them, some of you are like, yeah, I do wish they would stay the same. But, but that's not God's plan, obviously. They're, they're, they're to grow physically, they're to grow mentally and intellectually in all those ways. And, and it's the same way in our walk with God. He, wants, he calls us to grow. He meets us where we are, but he calls us to grow. And then finally, what we're talking about today is with all of that spiritual formation happening in our life, he doesn't want us just to, to just swell up with a bunch of knowledge. He wants us to do something with it. He wants us to go out and share with people what God has done in our lives. So we're called, let's read that last one there. Go share the gospel through our words and most importantly, our actions. And so that's what we've been talking about um, today. So as we think about that this morning, we're in, we're in go today. And when you look up uh, the, just the definition in the dictionary, it means to move on a course, to proceed. So I got to thinking, well, as I told you about the, the Great Commission, go and make disciples, I got to thinking, what's the Greek translation for the word go? It's really deep. You're going to need to write it down. Are you ready? 
I'm serious, you need to write this down. It means to go. So, <laughs> pretty self-explanatory, right? We are called to move. We're called to be active. We're called to proceed. We're called to be what Jesus is calling us to be. Um, one more time, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Let's read it, the promise. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So as, as with all this knowledge, I got to thinking about some different stories that Jesus told, some parables that he told that really illustrates how we're called to go. In fact, at some point, someone asked Jesus, hey, who is my neighbor? And Jesus responds with this parable. Um, for those who may not know, a parable was always a, a, a fictional story with a divine truth that we're supposed to grab onto. So Jesus paints a picture of what it looks like to go to our neighbor, to go to those around us. And here's, here's what he said to the question, who is my neighbor? He said a Jewish man, he didn't just say a man, he said a Jewish man, and we'll find out in just a minute. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and let's read it, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along. This isn't a joke, a priest, a Levite, and a Samaritan. It's not a joke. This, this is a true par a parable that Jesus told. By chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, what did he do? Yeah, like he crossed the other side of the road and passed him by. And I don't know why I get this image in my head. It doesn't say this. It's just my own imaginative brain, right? I just think he's almost like, oh, gross, you know, and walks over to the other side of the road. And then a temple assistant walks over, and he looks at him lying there. So at least, you know, he goes over to the side. But he also passes by on the other side. And then a despised Samaritan came along. Remember, when we started to read this, it said a Jewish man. And if you know anything, Jews and Samaritans didn't get along with each other. If you want to know the genesis of that, um, you can study that. Uh, but, but the bottom line is they didn't get along with each other. And a despised Samaritan comes along, and when he saw the man, let's read it, he felt, yeah, he felt compassion for him. And then, this is a really important part, he goes over to him. And the Samaritan man, what did he do to his wounds? Yeah, soothed them. Soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine, and he bandaged them. And that's pretty good, you know. If you were going to do all that and leave him beside the road, and then maybe somebody else could come pick him up. But that's not what happened. He soothes his wounds, he bandages his wounds, and then he put the man on his own donkey. And he takes him to an inn, let's read it, where he, where he took care of him. Folks, we're called to take care of people, amen? We're called to, to be compassionate. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins telling him, let's read it, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. So Jesus paints this fictional story that has a divine truth with it to the person that was asking who is my neighbor and, and anyone else that was listening. He says, now which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? Jesus asked. And the man replied, let's read it, the one who showed him mercy. So then Jesus says, yep. Gets the microphone maybe. It's, he hasn't dropped it yet. Let's read it. Then go. Go and do the same. 
So here's what we know from that little parable today. Here's the first thing we know. The Samaritan came to where he was and soothed his wounds. We are called to go to where people are that are hurting and broken and soothe their wounds. In fact, maybe you work with someone you know who's hurting or is broken. Maybe you go to school with someone you know that is hurting and broken. But as we are connected to Christ, he has saved us. We are walking with him. We're growing in our faith. This has kind of been a, a house we've been building. We laid the, the foundation and the footing uh, in week one. And then last week we laid the, the, you know, the framework and, and we put some drywall on the walls. You know, we talked about spiritual maturity. But now we're at the point where the house is built and, and we're called to be hospitable. We're called the hospitality. We're called to be a place where we can reach people. The Samaritan came to where he was and soothed his wound. Remember the scripture we read. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him, going over to him. I think there are times where we are not called to just say, well, if someone needs something, they'll let me know. But there are times where we are called to go to where they are. And the question for you and I today is not, are we called to go to the hurting? The question is, God, who are you calling me to, right? Who are you calling me to? Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's someone you go to school with. Maybe it's someone you know, or maybe it's somebody you just randomly run into, but we're called to do that. We were at a conference. Some of you know, we shut the office down for a couple days this week, and we went to this conference, and there were several speakers there, and one of the guys that was there, he said, we always go, let's read it, because Jesus came to us. We always go because Jesus came to us. So we know that the Samaritan goes to where the guy's at. Another thing we notice is the Samaritan takes him to an inn and drops him off with the innkeeper. You remember he, he goes to the inn, he takes care of him for the night, he wakes up the next day, you know, he pays the guy and he leaves. A lot of times when we hear this story, in fact, this is a story that kids, if, you, if your kids have been around the church very long, they've probably heard this story a lot. Some of you know this story really well. Maybe some of you, this is the first time you've heard it. But either way, a lot of times when we hear this story, we, we think of the Samaritan who had compassion. We think of the other two guys that didn't. Um, and we think of um, the person that's hurt, who's broken and bleeding and dealing with all these issues and pains and hurts. But we don't usually hear much about the innkeeper. And this week, this week while we were there, a lady gave a, a message on the innkeeper, and I thought it was really good. And, and the truth is, is that sometimes we don't really think about the fact that the innkeeper's got a business going. You know, they're, they're renting, they're selling rooms. They're trying to, to make it. And then you have this guy showing up that's broken and bloody, and hurting, and, and maybe wounded, and yelling, and, and screaming, and bleeding all over the inn's floor. Hey, listen, I took care of him. I gave him some water. I was there for him, but I got things I got to do, and now I need you to take care of him. Sometimes Jesus will will point us to someone 
and say, I need you to be the innkeeper. I need you to carry the burden for this person. I need you to take care of them. Right? The next day, he handed the innkeeper, let's read it, two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. Folks, we are, we are tasked with that same thing, to take care of people. I want us to think about this. The Samaritan tasked the innkeeper with caring for a broken, hurting, bloody Jewish man who would be bleeding and making a mess in his inn. I don't want to do that. I don't want to, I don't want to have to take care of this person, but sometimes we're tasked with that. You see, we give mercy because we have been given mercy. Amen? We give mercy because we have been given mercy. When Jesus is, is wrapping this parable up at the end, and he begins to share uh, with them, and he says, okay, now that I've painted this picture, you know, the priest, the Levite, the Samaritan, the bandits, the whole story, which one of these was the neighbor And Jesus says, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus charges the person asking the question as well as us today to go and do the same. I was thinking of those two words that were in that scripture, right? Go and do. He calls us to go and to do. And the question I would have for each of us this morning is, what is he calling you to go and do? Who is he calling you to rescue? Another quote from the conference we were at, Jesus came serving the hurting and reaching the lost. There's a passage of scripture where Jesus is trying to teach again, and he says, healthy people don't need a doctor. Let's read it. Sick people do. And I don't know if, if, if we, what happens a lot of times in churches, it hasn't happened to this church, but it happens a lot of times in churches, is people start to treat the church like a museum instead of a hospital. We don't want to change anything, you know, in a museum. We want to, we want to make everything, keep it the same, like we're historical or something, rather than being a hospital of hospitality. Jesus says, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. I have come to not call those who think they are righteous, let's read it, but those who know they are sinners and need to repent. Some of you have been here for a while and you know that we've been talking some for some time about having some type of recovery program in our church. And it's, I don't have to convince anyone that, that addiction and depression and anxiety and grief and and a whole bunch of different things under that category are going on in our backyard. And one of the things that has kept us from going down that road is is just God giving us the right person to help us lead that ministry. Um, That's really important. And so uh, God began to put it on Mark Kimry's heart. Um, In fact, I'm going to invite Mark up right now. Let's give Mark a hand as he comes up. We're glad you're here, but God began to put it on Mark's heart um, to, be, to be involved in this recovery program, and Mark actually has quite a story. Um, this has been quite a journey for him, 
that he's been on for quite some time. But God began to lay it on his heart, and we began to pray about it. Um, and he just God began to make it clear that Mark was the person. And so uh, we've invited Mark to come and just share with us a little bit. And so, Mark, thanks for being here and doing this. Mark's been, Mark's been a part of all of our churches. Several years ago, this church, uh, right before I came, planted a church in Girard known as Living Faith. Some of you know that, and Mark was a part of that church for a while. And then God called Mark down to Connecting Point, yeah. where he was yeah. a part of the Columbus campus, and then now he's going to be helping us out. So, uh, Mark, we're glad to have you today. And just wanted you to tell us a little bit about your story and your journey and how you got, to the, got here. Okay. Well, first of all, thank you for uh, having me here and for giving me this time and, and listening to me. First of all, let me say that I'm a, a child of, of God and uh, in recovery from addiction. And, uh, you know, my early childhood was a happy one. Uh, growing up in a Christian home on a farm in Kansas, I was a pretty happy-go-lucky kid. You know, running to the pond to go fishing, playing in barns full of hay, uh, animals everywhere. What kid wouldn't be happy, right? Um, but those times changed um, not long after the, we moved to the farm, and my mom and sister were in a tragic car accident, which uh, rendered my sister disabled for life. And uh, over time, my mom became deeply depressed and overwhelmed with the situation. My father, who was working two jobs at the time to pay all the bills, he became angry and abusive at times. My happy-go-lucky world had been turned upside down in a moment. Um, it had become chaotic and filled with fear and anxiety. Being largely unattended, I acted out in many ways. I was quite a handful. Um, when I reached my teenage years, I started experimenting with alcohol and drugs, and I quickly became addicted to both. And sadly, it ruled a large part of my adult life. And just so you know, addiction isn't something you go into life looking for. When you're a kid, nobody says, when I grow up, I want to be an addict. It's not something you intend to do. In fact, it's a nightmare caused by a few poor decisions in your life. And when you realize you're living that nightmare and can't get out of it, it devastates you and your family. It makes you do things that you wouldn't normally otherwise do. Things like sit your five-year-old son down on the back porch step of your home and tell him to keep an eye on your mother, on his mother, and drive away and not come back. It exposes your little girl to things that no child should have to deal with like the day the police dare program came to her school to visit and she came home to tell me about her day and said daddy the police came to school today to tell us about drugs and they had pipes just like yours I was shocked but then she said don't worry daddy I didn't tell them my jaw dropped she had never been taught that but instinctively had picked up that what daddy was doing was wrong Addiction takes control of you, and it makes you do the unthinkable in many ways. One situation like passing out on the couch with a lit cigarette in your hand to wake up later and find that couch and your clothes on fire, burning your hand and leg. These are not proud, proud moments in my life, but they're ones I felt needed expressed today to demonstrate the depths of which Jesus has lifted me from. Finally, after two failed marriages, losing my homes, 
excuse me. <laughs> Get that right there. Losing my homes and nearly everything I own, not once, but twice, I started praying to God for help and going to church. And in 1998, I had, I had an experience where I was filled completely by the Holy Spirit and set free from drugs and addiction and many other things. From that point on, I had a four, an, a, a, an amazing relationship with Jesus that changed my life and changed who I was. This new spiritual freedom lasted about 10 years, and during that time, my wife and I, Lisa, realized a whole new life. We joined a church, became active in the church, and God was a part of our daily lives at home. But as time went on, several years later in 2008, when we lost my mom to a lengthy battle with cancer and many other life trials began, I started dabbling with alcohol and then again pot, keeping it completely hidden this time, but still wound up fully addicted, only to worsen our situation and our lives and risk everything all over again. After several attempts to quit and relapses through 2020, I finally found the support in a Christ-centered recovery group alive in Christ in our former church, Living Faith, over in Girard. I started going almost two years ago and with Jesus as my higher power, have been clean and sober for two years as of today. <laughs> Thank you. That's him. I, uh, I knew we were nearing this time um, when it was two years, but I was, I'd forgotten what my exact anniversary date was, and I had told Kyle it was somewhere near this time, but I went looking for my journals. I journal every day. That's a prayer journal. It's a scripture journal, whatever my thoughts are. And I went looking for that yesterday, and I found it, and I'd like to read an excerpt from two years ago, if I may. September 25th, 2020. I have a footnote. The bottle is gone. And I will tell you, we, uh, the night before, we had attended a revival. It was a Nazarene revival in Independence, Kansas, and we heard a young man speak, Dylan Robinson. And I had heard him speak before and was very moved by his testimony and the things that had happened to him. And so after the service, I went down front to uh, meet him and talk to him. And uh, we were visiting, and I shared with him that I had a history with addiction and off and on throughout my life and how God had been with me the whole time, but that I was still struggling. And he, had, he did ask if he could pray for me, and I said, sure. I wasn't at the altar, and I didn't go to the altar call, but this was after the, after the service, and he did. And uh, I was awake at 3 a.m. that morning on my knees, and uh, after several hours of prayer, God encouraged me to take the last bottle of liquor I had in the house and uh, pour it down the drain. So I set it on the kitchen bar, and my wife, Lisa, came downstairs to get ready for work and a little shocked she said what's that doing there <laughs> six o'clock in the morning and I looked at her and said I I think it's time that went down the drain for good and I said will you help me and with tears in her eyes she said yes I will and so we poured that down the drain so here's the journal uh the bottle is gone my prayer was father God thank you so much for last night father forgive me for keeping my church family at an arm's length at times father teach me to be an open book with others in love. Father, shape me with your word. Give me the desires in my heart to study your word and follow you and apply your word to my life. Father, equip me for your call. 
Father, I give you my fears and anxiety. Breathe your word into my life. Teach me, correct me, train me in your goodness. Thank you for loving me. I love you, my Lord, your servant, Mark. Um, also, the, I had read a scripture that morning, 2 Timothy 3, 16, 17. I'd like to share that real quick, too, if I may. Um, get that thing opened up here, all this technology. Here we go. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. And so from that day, that was our turning point. And uh, we've been moving forward ever since. And uh, God's been a part of our lives. So your anniversary date is when? Today. Today, technically. Today awesome? was the day I committed two cool. years ago. <laughs> uh, God's been great in just uh, affirming so many things through this. And this is one of them. And uh, I, I really just discovered this yesterday. So the exact date. So I was glad to find that. That's good. Well, that, that's exciting. And Mark doesn't get up in front of people very often. And the <laughs> Lord has been preparing him uh, for this time and, and to be here. And that took courage to share that, to be yes. vulnerable like that. Not many of us want to get up and just share our worst times with people. And so thank you for that. So just a couple more, uh, just a couple questions here, Mark. How is God working in your life now? Oh, wow. Well, God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, they're the closest relationship I have. I talk to God constantly all day long. I think people hear me praying out loud sometimes at work, and they all think I'm just talking to myself, half of them. And, and some know, know me, though. <laughs> they know that I'm talking to God. Um, but I, I look forward to my quiet time with him daily as well and spending time in his word. But he's also blessed our family. Both of those little kids I just mentioned um, are both adults now with families of their own. They both have a close relationship with God. I don't want to just say they're Christians because they, they are Christians, but they also have a close relationship with God, as does their children. Um, we've been blessed with how many grandkids, Lisa? Uh, 11 or 12, we're not sure. <laughs> we lose track. Um, we pray for them every day, but right now we feel so confident that every one of them are, are going to join us in the kingdom someday. But God has taken these kids who did not grow up in a Christian home and he is embedded into their lives, uh, his spirit. He's also restored my relationship with our kids and several other family members. Uh, we just feel truly blessed that he's redeemed us in this way. Um, he's also laid a desire on our hearts for this uh, recovery ministry, you know, where anyone can feel safe to express their struggles without being judged or criticized. Uh, he's put a love in our hearts for others who are in need instead of the selfish desires I had whenever I was using. That's good. So, you know, some of you, how many have at least heard the term celebrate recovery? Has anybody heard the term? Most of you probably have. Uh, there's lots of churches that have that program. We studied a lot of different models. Um, he mentioned Dylan Robinson earlier. Uh, the well um, uses redemption ministry. But one, our comfort level with Celebrate Recovery, it's tried and true. It's been around a really long time. Right. Um, just give us a little bit of vision for, for CR, Celebrate Recovery, and, and why we're doing this. Okay. Well, first of all, the why, Kyle. Um, 
For me, when I was in full-blown addiction, I was afraid to tell anyone, especially someone in the church. You know, in that latter portion of my life where I became addicted the third time, uh, we were already active in the church, and I was very ashamed of what I was doing, and I, the last thing I was going to do was tell anybody um, what was going on. So, uh, you know, I believe being full of the Holy Spirit, we're called to love the poor in spirit, as it says in Psalms 34:18. This is one of my verses. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. And looking back, I can see now, you know, one of the major reasons I used a good portion of my life is my spirit was crushed. I had no hope. Um, I want to see a program and a church and ultimately a world who loves first and judges last and gives others hope that I found in, a, in Christ and in accepting a Christian group in environment. Um, my vision for the recovery ministry is to build a, a ministry of like-minded people <clears throat> who can help launch this thing. Uh, Christ-centered redemption service and recovery service for people experiencing life's hurts, habits, and hang-ups, life trauma or suffering in any way, to create a safe place for those that are hurting to speak up without fear of judgment. That's good. That's good. Give, give God a hand. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. So essentially what we're talking about is uh, starting with a a core group. When some of you know that we planted the homestead over here, a college ministry, and we, uh, the church also planted uh, a church in Columbus that's, that's going now. Um, you have to have a core, a core group of people that are committed to being a part of it. Anytime we, we have something, not everyone is going to be called to be a part of something, but we hope that you all are called to pray. Amen? Amen. To pray for this. So uh, we, we started with a core of 37 for Columbus. We would love, I don't think we've ever said this out loud, but we would love to have a core group of 25 to 30 people who yes. feel called, what'd you say? I said yes. Yes. <laughs> who feel called to be a part of this ministry. Um, I don't feel called to work in the nursery. I'm just going to be honest. But I'm glad that people are. Amen? Amen. So we're not looking for anyone. We're looking for the right one who's feeling a tap on their shoulder. So how can we help you? Well, first of all, pray, as you said, and be that team. Pray about being that team. If you do feel a call to be a part of something bigger than yourself and to love on others who are hurting, please, please let us know. And also, if you know of somebody who is in addiction of any kind or hurting in any way, please let them know that this ministry is coming and developing. Good, good. So let's just go over some, some FAQs real quick. Real quick. The why is really important. Remind us again why we're doing this. Why? Well, first of all, because we're the church of uh, Jesus Christ. We're called to be the Good Samaritan. We're called to, to help others. And uh, also for those other addicts who are out there who can't stop, regardless of what it's doing to their family, or for that person who has lost a spouse, a parent, or even a child and cannot move beyond the pain, for those suffering anxiety and depression and have nowhere to turn and don't know why, this program is a process to work through many of life's scars that need to be opened and healed. Good. So what is it? Uh, it's a Christ-centered 12-step recovery ministry with a redemption service um, for anyone with hurts, habits, or hang-ups. And, you know, you don't have to be a full-blown drug addict uh, to be a part of this group. Even if you're just suffering quietly under the surface and afraid to say anything, this program can guide you closer to Christ and give you hope. Um, it doesn't matter also what socioeconomic background you come from. Uh, one thing I learned years ago, addiction has no boundaries. 
Good. So, when? Uh, when? Come and see, October 2nd, 5 to 7 p.m. Um, we'll have a detailed presentation, uh, curriculum to take a look at, a glimpse of the ministry's goals over the next couple of years. You know, as you said, we've been working on this for some time, about a year off and on. God gave me this vision uh, before I was even clean, honestly. Um, I knew that, that, you know, that was uh, a step in the right direction. And... Um, Sorry, I lost my way there. <laughs> um, anyway, we have prayed about this, Kyle. We've discussed it. We started working on it. Oh, I'm planning for this ministry. And uh, I think God's got a lot of great things in store for us. And uh, we're going to take a look at that. Um, I believe this thing's going to go far beyond our vision and uh, our lifetime, I hope. Yeah, so next Sunday night, everybody say that. Next Sunday night, October 2nd, starts at 5 It'll be in the conference room in the lobby, in the lobby yes. which is just in here, unless we have a bunch of people show up and then we'll move it either to the sanctuary or to the lobby. Right. And my understanding is we're going to have food. Is that right? Oh, yes. There will be food and uh, pulled pork, I've been told. Nice. Yeah. Barbecue. Yes. So we want, to, want you to know that. That'll be, <laughs> and so, um, so who can be who? Uh, anyone who feels called to serve in the ministry. You know, there's a place for you know, pray about it, come down next week, find out more about it, uh, get some pulled pork and uh, see if you think it's for you. And you know, if it's not for you, like Kyle said, that's great. It's, it's you know, not everybody is called for every ministry uh, that is put before them. But if, even if you're not called, please pray for this ministry and, and for anyone who uh, is called to do it. So how are we going to do this? Oh, by the power of Almighty God. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Thank you, Mark, so much for, for being here and doing this. We appreciate it. We love you. And uh, we're going to be praying for him. And we're going to be praying that God would send us the right people to be a part of this. And so let's give Mark a hand again. Thank you so much. So I want to just, I just real quick before we wrap up, I just want to mention a couple of things. One is uh, we're going to start a series next week called Hurts, Hangups, and Habits. And very rarely do we use a book as a backdrop for a series every once in a while. Uh, but this, this is, uh, comes from Rick Warren's book called, Life, is it Life Choices, Adam? Yeah, Life, it's called Life Choices. And it walks people through recovery. And I started reading this and I'm like, this isn't just for people dealing with recovery. This is for all of us. So we're going to have a series called Hurts, ha Hangups, and Habits. And here's the other thing I want to say. Mark mentioned it, but I want to just mention it again. You do not have to be an addict to be a part of this. Some of you have lost a son or a daughter, or you've lost a spouse, or you've lost someone close to you. Some of you struggle with depression or battle anxiety or deal with loneliness. And let's just be honest. We've all been hurt. We all have hang-ups, amen? And we all have a habit that if we're not careful can get a hold of us. So I just want to start from the very beginning. This is not just for people who are in full-blown addiction. It's for anyone from any socioeconomic background that just needs some, some assurance and some encouragement. So a long time ago, I met with a pastor who said, anytime you're, you're launching vision for something, whether it's building a building, whether it's starting a church, whether it's starting recovery ministry, you're always going to have some people that are sitting there thinking of all the negatives. 
And he said, Kyle, anytime you're doing that, you always just address those things and talk about it. So just real quick, we're going to say, maybe some of you might be thinking these things, okay? Here's the first one. Maybe some of you have already thought and said to someone, people in addiction don't normally change. And let me just say this. You're right. No one normally changes without God. Amen? It is only by the power of God that someone can change. And thank goodness that there are people that God sends to reach those people. Amen? So here's another one. <clears throat> it will change a church. It will change the church. It probably will. When I got married, it changed my life. When I had kids, it changed my life. When my kids grow up and leave someday, that's going to change my life. Life is all about change, right? And so we're called to reach people in what, in what God's doing. So we trust that whatever that looks like, that God is going before us. Amen? Amen. So here's another one. I don't want to be around those kinds of people. Well, shame on you if you feel that way. <laughs> Come on, man. Okay. Uh, another one. It won't work. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I don't want to be around those kind of people. Come on. Uh, it won't work. Well, thank you, negative Nancy. <laughs> That's what I have to say to that. Um, I'm not lifting a finger to help. Wonderful. <laughs> But here's what I would say. Maybe you're not supposed to lift a finger with this ministry. So then what ministry are you lifting a finger in? Because if you follow Christ, we are not called to just sit and soak. You know, I do get it that there are seasons where we've been hurt, we've been wounded, you know, even as pastors sometimes, where we just need a season where we call a timeout. But that's not what we're, that's, we're not called to live there. So if you're not involved in some way, in some kind of helping of others, then unless you're healing from something like, you know, four to six months, not five years, right? Then God's called you to do something in some way, okay? And then maybe you have some other things. So let me just tell you, the enemy's going to try to do anything he can to steal and kill and destroy. But this church, before I ever came, has always been a church of generosity. Some of you know we've had a bus ministry. Um, we've always been, had a heart for the less than, and I think that's scriptural. <laughs> I think we're called to the widows and the orphans and the least of these. And so here's what I'm asking for you. I would ask that all of us would consider consistently praying for Mark, because if I'm the enemy and I want to kill the ministry, I'm going to attack the leader. Amen, right? I'm going to start there, and I'm going to try to discourage him. I'm going to try to make him feel like it's not going to work. And I'm going to put people around him that are going to breathe negativity into him. If I'm the enemy, that's what I'm going to do. So we're not going to do that, are we, church? We're going to pray for him. We're going to encourage him. We're going to be behind him and pray for his wife, Lisa, and those that are going to be involved. So here's what we're not looking for. You know, the, the, Jesus talked about that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. I was telling Mark today, I don't know if we need to pray for a big harvest of workers or a small harvest. And I got to thinking... We just need to pray for the right harvest. So today, if God isn't tapping you on the shoulder to do this, then don't sign up, right? But if he is, would you, would you be obedient to that? And how you know is if, if he's tapping on you, you on the shoulder is you're not going to be able to get away from that. And so we're going to journey this together, kind of like when we planted Columbus or the church planted Gerard or we started the homestead or whatever we do. Sometimes I didn't know what I was doing when I got married. <laughs> it just happened, right? So we believe God's 
is calling us to this, and we're journeying with this, so we just want to encourage you with that today. Finally, I want to read a scripture to you that we read just a minute ago. I'm going to ask the the band to come up at this time. Uh, Jesus answered, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners and need to repent. So pray about it and pray for it. Say that with me. Pray about it and pray for it. So I want to just say this one last thing before uh, the band comes up today. So what we are inviting you to is not kicking off the actual Celebrate Recovery. What we're inviting you to is Celebrate Recovery training. Um, it, we're going to treat it like it's a Sunday night small group. Some, some of you are involved in life groups. Hopefully all of you are either in a life group or thinking about getting involved in one. This will be a Sunday night life group that will meet at 5 o'clock on Sunday nights. And we're going to begin to be trained. Um, I'm just being honest. I'm excited. I was reading through it. I was getting misty-eyed reading through it. Man, I'm like, man, I got some stuff I need to work through here. Just is powerful stuff. But it's, it's us understanding how this all goes together. Some of you have jobs where you did training before you started your position or whatever. So this will be a time of us doing, a, doing training. It'll last from October through December, right? That's the deal, kind of a deal. And then out of that two months of training, when we'll start to launch some type of a service or small group. So anyway, we wanted to be clear about that. God is good, amen? Let's stand together this morning. Lord Jesus, we thank you for who you are. And Father, you are, Father, the the Lord of the harvest. And so, Father, today, right now, as we wrap up the service with a couple of songs, I pray that your Holy Spirit in faith would begin to tap people on the shoulder, just whispering in their, in their ear, I want you to be a part of this. Father, we bind the enemy from this place, and we thank you and we give you praise. In Jesus' powerful name, all his people said, amen, amen. Let's worship this morning.